Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And welcome to week one of our Women and Men in the Word New Testament series. We have been looking forward to this series for months. We're so excited it's finally here. And for our very first conversation on this series, we have our friend, Jessica Lamb. Jessica is part of the content team here at She Reads Truth. She helped us assemble this plan and is just always a fun person to open the Bible with and just really dig in. So let's go. So nobody gave me the memo about the tie-dyed sweatshirts. We're very sorry. We sent each other a memo, but mm-hmm. we intentionally said, don't tell Amanda. Rude. We're going to wear matching shirts. How rude. That's what Toby would say. Yeah. How rude. We've got good matching modern tie-dye. Yes. And a nice indigo. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good look. It's not for lack of trying. I've been on the search for a tie-dyed sweatshirt. I have not found one. Well, Evereve is our go-to place. Mm-hmm. Jessica and I both. We're both from there. Oh. Yeah. So oh. thanks, Evereve. This episode, not <laughs> yeah. sponsored by... But we can say that because we love them. We, we love, love them. We love Megan and Mike. They're wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to <laughs> episode one of this brand new series. We did a reading plan last summer, Women and Men in the Old Testament, but there was no podcast then. And so we didn't get to talk about all the different people in the Old Testament. But this year we have a podcast. And so we get to spend six weeks, six episodes talking about women and men in the New Testament. And uh, I'm so pumped about this series. We have great guests. And Jessica, I'm so happy that you're here to be guest number one to kick off the series. I'm pumped. Yes, I'm so excited. I love this plan and I love talking about the Bible. And so it's a really good, (laughs) good thing to do this summer. That's why we keep you around, Jessica. Thank you. I love to talk about the Bible. So let's talk about this plan as a reading plan. And then even let's talk about this series, what it is, what it isn't, who are we covering? Why? Why are we skipping some people? Why? Who's missing? Let's talk about it. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that this is like the greatest hits reading plan of either, you know, last year of the Old Testament or this year of the New And we really wanted to intentionally avoid that because we don't, it's not on us to put value (laughs) judgments on the stories that are in the Bible. I mean, it's all God's word. And, you know, there are people in, in the Bible who aren't mentioned by name and those people are, are important. And then there are people who are mentioned by name with chapters. You know, you think about John, for example, and like we know a lot about John or Peter or, you know, some of those people that we feel like we know a lot about. And then there are folks like Anna who will read about and there are just a few verses. Yeah. But those few verses are so powerful. And so this is not a greatest hits, yeah. but it's also not the unknowns of the New Testament. It's just a good mix. I hope so. Yeah. Like we've got like the so. boy with the fishes and loaves. Yep. It's he just doesn't a, have a name that we know. Not that we know. And yeah. it's just a good cross section of all sorts of people that are in, in the Bible together. Yeah. And so what else is this plan? It is or it isn't? One thing that's also not is it's not case studies and people we should be like. Well, yeah. Oh, the, that's good. Yeah. yeah. The One of the things that was also important to us in this plan is that the call to action was not ooh, you should be more like Anna. You should be more like the boy with the fish and loaves. That's not the point. The point is that we would look at these stories of people and say, oh, look at our God. Mm -hmm. Look at how Jesus is present in this story. Look at who God is. Look at how they respond to Jesus. Because these people are regular people. 
they are real people who lived real lives and their lives were changed because of Jesus and because of encountering him. But the goal is not character studies. Right, right. I mean, because every one of these people, with the exception of day one, Mm -hmm. is a flawed human being. And so we don't need to be like any of these people. We need to be like Jesus. But what we're doing instead is looking at these individuals and seeing Jesus in them or seeing the way they respond to Jesus or see him or serve him or obey him. And those are the good things, seeing the spirit at work in these people. So that's what we're doing. We're just observing the interaction and observing, you know, who Jesus is and learning from that. Yeah. You know, there's not always a to do <laughs> after right. we read a story. Like the to do as believers is to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and read God's word. And like that is what we are to do. And one of the ways that we do that is by reading God's word and learning. Yeah. And learning who Jesus is, who is this Savior that we follow. Yeah. And this is a way, a primary way that we do that. Exactly. I feel like I have a tendency sometimes when I read the word and I come across stories that I've read so many times or maybe not so many times, I have a tendency to think of them as characters, right? Mm-hmm. To think of them in the same way that I would think of, you know, Anne of Green Gables or right. insert your favorite fictional character yeah. here and to study them that way versus stepping back to say, this is a real person. That's good. Who yeah. lived in a in a real place in a real time and had a life beyond just what we encounter in scripture. Right. And I feel like even, you know, reading this week's scripture was so powerful because I kept noticing things that reminded me, oh, this is a person, yes. you know, who had personality beyond just what we see here. And it was so encouraging to be reminded of of that because Jesus met with those real people in the same way that he meets with us as real people, right? And so when we can read these stories and, you know, look for those clues or those things that remind us they laughed or they were afraid or they had this funny answer to something or they didn't respond perfectly in the way that you would script it, yeah, it reminds me like, oh, yes, that's how he, he can act in my life too. Mm-hmm. He acted in their real life and he can act in my real life. Does that make sense? I don't it know. Does. It was really encouraging. That's so good. And it helped me even as we were preparing the study and preparing even to record the podcast series to remember... I think I just have to continually remind myself how true this is, how it is not fictional, how Jesus had fingernails and how he Uh had pores and how these people that we're going to read about made eye contact with the Son of God Mm, or were invited to touch the wounds in his side or offered him their fish and loaves. Like, that this is real stuff that really happened. And I think that one of our hopes for you listeners as you read this plan along with us is that you'll remember that as you read these stories, like Jessica said, this is not Anne of Green Gables or insert your other fictional, yes. favorite fictional character, but this is real. Yeah, it's so interesting. One of the reasons I love having these conversations on the air is that there's always something, a theme that comes to light that we haven't discussed prior, Yeah, but that the Holy Spirit is clearly kind of working into the conversation, you know, the Mm -hmm. fourth person on the podcast. (laughs) And in my notes wrote down, these are not fairy tales. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we believe that the Bible is history. It is our history. And so one of the things that I love about the study book that the team created to go along with this plan is that I love the daily discussion questions. And the reason I bring that up is because I think that's one of the ways that we really 
intentionally maintain the posture, Jessica, that you're describing, which is that we want to observe and read the story for what it is, like read the details of the story, what's happening, who's involved, where's Jesus in this story. And then we want to investigate, okay, what questions do I have as I'm reading this? What is God teaching me? And so the thing that really strikes me as we just keep saying like these are real stories and real people is that because this is our history book and these there's a lot of Jesus in these stories yeah. because they're all New Testament stories whether he is in the passage or he is being referenced or something is happening in like looking ahead to him or referring back to him. And because these are true stories, then it demands a response mm-hmm. because these stories are remarkable. And this this man, Jesus, is not just a man, yeah. like you said already. And this reminds me of the extra that we actually put in the study book. So a lot of you have the study books, maybe even with you. But on pages 14 and 15, we have an extra called How to Read Stories of People in the Bible. And we do this for a lot of our books. Like we'll say, you know, how to read Old Testament prophecy or how to read the Psalms because there are different genres in scripture. And one of those things that we think is really helpful is to just kind of tee you up for success, if we can, before you begin this study, to take some time and think about what is the appropriate way to, Mm -hmm. just like we're talking about right now, what is the appropriate way to read stories of people in the Bible? And so actually, we are going to put that in the shereadstruth.com slash podcast in the show notes. So you can actually read that for yourself and prepare yourself and really become equipped to do this, not just the stories that we've included in this reading plan, but any story of a person in the Bible. Yeah. And refer back to it as you're reading. I find that really helpful because it feels like a simple statement when Jessica says, you know, what this is not is a list of people that we are to be like. But that's a pretty revolutionary stance because I feel like that is not the posture that I took for a very long time when reading scripture. And so because you want to have a how to. Mm-hmm. And so the easiest way to have a how-to is just to say, well, this person did it, and he's in the Bible, and this must be the way that you respond. And Which is a dangerous way to go about things. Yeah, and yeah. so I need that reminder constantly that you know these are stories of people who were impacted by Jesus, whose lives were changed by Jesus. And so we want to learn from those stories because the real point here and the opportunity here is to encounter Jesus for ourselves. Right. And for him to impact us. Right. And the other thing I'll add is that I think it's also good. Amanda, you like Peter. You I really I, do. You identify with Peter. He's such a mess. And so I think <laughs> that there are two things. One is these are not stories of people that you should become like, but they are, I almost guarantee there will be stories of people here that you will identify with. Yeah, and, that's good. And so you can make those connections and feel free to make those and In the case of Peter, for example, the way that Jesus sees him and forgives him, Mm -hmm. it's good to see that in a person you identify with because you can trust that that is true of your relationship with Jesus as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about Jesus. Day one of the women and men in the Word New Testament reading plan is Jesus. A hotly contested day one selection. Here's the thing. It felt like a win-win and also a lose-lose. It's yep. like, do you, by putting Jesus in the women and men study, yeah. are we putting him in the same category as, like you said, all of these flawed men and women? Right. 
but by not including him, I mean, in a very real sense, every story in the New Testament, every story in Scripture is about Jesus. Yeah. So we talked about a couple of weeks ago the, you know, the back and forth of should we do this promises of God study? Should we not? And this was another one of those sort of like delightful controversies in the office where we're all in accord. We're all in one accord. Our goal is to rightly handle the word of truth, to honor the Lord in what we do. So we're all walking toward the same goal. But what I love about our team is that we sharpen one another and we ask questions and then we kind of listen and think about. And so for me, I sat at the table and I thought, why on earth would we not include Jesus? He is a person in the New Testament. But it was so helpful for me to see the other perspectives of, well, I mean, he was man, but he was God and man. And not to mention, how do you reduce right. those scripture readings for Jesus to one day's worth? Like, do you begin with Genesis 1-1 in the beginning? So yes, everyone right? just read the full Bible for right. this day. It, it really feels like it needs to see also Genesis through Revelation. That's right. what it feels like it needs on that day. Like, how do you pick a few scriptures to capture Jesus? You know, it's, it's a heavy, heavy lift. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we were afraid of, and I'm looking at Jessica because we were, we were hesitant And I think the fear was reducing Mm -hmm. Jesus because even things as simple as, you know, we have in the study book and in the study, we have sort of a a headline that describes who this person is in a phrase or a sentence. Well, how are you going to do that? You know, son of God and, you know, savior of the world. Yes. There's, I mean, even the last, the last passage we chose to include on the Jesus reading day is John 21, 25. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written, which felt like it kind of covered our bases. Yeah. We could have just put that. Exactly. Right. That could have been the <laughs> only passage. It's just that we wanted we wanted to you know, remind ourselves and remind everyone reading along with us is that there is so much to be said about Jesus. There's so much study there. This is you know, as his followers, our life's work, right. you know, is following after him, learning about who he is and who he was. So this is just some, yeah, just some of what Jesus is. And yeah. we wrestled with this not only in the reading plan and the book, but even with the kids' conversation cards. So we created a product called People in the Bible Conversation Cards, New Testament. We have the Old Testament cards too, and they're darling. But I remember also kind of around the same time sitting at the table going, okay, maybe we'll put Jesus in the reading plan for the adults, but do we make a Jesus card? You know, also, like, do we reduce him to a card, like a fact card? And how do we feel about imagining the Jesus card sitting on the floor and getting stomped on or eaten by the dog? Like, it all just felt like, ooh. Yeah, and if we do, like, should it be iridescent? Like, what should, should it be gold-plated? What should we do to yes. the Jesus card? I uh, I really wanted it to be holographic, yeah. but that didn't work out. We actually had a conversation about that. But spoiler alert, we did make a Jesus card. We did choose to include Jesus, which sounds like a weird sentence, but we did choose to include Jesus as one of the men and women in the New Testament in the study and the Jesus card and the people in the Bible cards. And looking at it now, I feel like our reoccurring theme has been that Rachel was right on a couple of these different (laughs) issues. Listen, just get used to it. I'm not mad about it, but even reading it today, it feels like that was very much the right call to open with a day that says, here is Jesus. He's before all things and in him, all things hold together. Let's start with Jesus. Yeah, it feels right. Okay, well, you started it, Rachel, so I want (laughs) to read it now. Colossians 1, it's one of our favorite passages, and I can say that with confidence about all three of us because we've discussed it at length. 
but Colossians 1, 15 through 20, I'm just going to read it for us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I feel like I've been to church. I mean, that passage every single time. And so that, to me, this passage is, if you're going to have to try to summarize Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Paul did a pretty good job. Like this is, he's impossible to put into few words, but this passage, I think really eloquently and accurately describes our struggle, mm-hmm. why we didn't, why it feels strange to call him a man in the Bible. Yeah. He is. Fully man. Fully man. Not yeah. not part way. Fully mm-hmm. man. But he's also fully God. Yeah. And, you and know, he came to reconcile the world to himself. Yeah. I had the same experience, Jessica, when I was reading this day where I thought, I'm really glad we included this. <laughs> and um, one of the reasons for that, in this reading day, we have a passage from Luke 4. And one of the verses in that, it says that in verse 20, he, Jesus, rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today, as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. And I think it took reading this day in the context of the fullness of the study, which I'm aware of because I, you know, we helped create it, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of scripture happening right before their eyes. And so to have that context, as we start to name all of these people by name that we're going to encounter in the New Testament is remarkable. It's so powerful. And something I wrote down next to that is You know, the text says the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And I'm not super familiar with how the synagogue worked, whether, you know, he knew what that passage would be or not. But I wrote in the margins, I wonder if he could have done this with literally any passage they gave him from the Old Testament. If any scroll was handed to him, you know, it says in scripture that every word is about him and he can explain the law and the prophets and how they speak to him. And so I just wrote, I wonder, you know, I wonder if, if any scroll, he could have said, okay, well, here's what I will turn. And that's where I will point to it. Obviously this is the one that he chose and that he read and, and he's God, he knew, but I just wonder. That's a good wonder. I like to just wonder. That's good. Yeah. And we can do that. I mean, we talk about our hope for this plan being that we, by reading stories of women and men in the word, we are men and women in the word of God every day, reading and learning and becoming more like Jesus. And it's okay to wonder and to ask questions and to use our imaginations. Mm -hmm. It's important to know what is our imagination and what is actually written and in God's word, but it's okay to wonder about these people that we want to know more about, even about Jesus Mm -hmm. and what, you know, what was it like? To be with him. Which is why I love that when the editorial department put the response questions together, Amanda, like you were saying, one of the four questions is, what questions do you have? Just wonder, like take some space, take some time and wonder about what you're reading about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And go back to those and start digging in. Yeah. That makes us so happy. 
when our she's and he's, as we call them, ask questions and start digging in and doing their own study. Mm -hmm. And even when they get so wrapped up in one study that they miss the next because they were like, I just couldn't leave this one. You're like, do it. That is the point. I also love that even on this day, that piece that I mentioned at the beginning of looking for those details that remind you that it's true and that it's Mm -hmm. real. This year at Easter, I have a daughter who's four. And at Easter this year, she's really been paying attention to the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection and asking a lot of questions. I'll probably cry as I talk about this because it just was so real for me this year. But on Good Friday this year, you know, we read her, actually, I read to her our Kids Read Truth product. This is the gospel. She loves that book. But we've been reading her the Easter story. And the questions she asked me this year on Good Friday, I mean, on Good Friday, it was, I think, 9 a.m. And I just said, I need a break because it was making me so emotional as she was asking so many questions about the story that reminded me that it was real, you know, and and even this day with the the Mark passage of Mark 15, I'll read you one of the passages that reminds me of that conversation from Mark 15, starting in verse 17, it says, they dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him. And they began to salute him, hail King of the Jews. They were hitting him on the head with a stick and spitting on him, getting down on their knees, they were paying him homage. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe and put his clothes on him. And so my daughter, as we were talking about this from a children's, even a children's Bible, even a children's book, she would point at it and say, what's on his head? Oh, it was a crown of thorns. Why did they put that on him? Oh, because they're making fun of him. Why are they making fun of him? They didn't believe that he was the king. Did that make him sad? Did that hurt him? Why is he wearing a purple robe? It took his clothes away. Why would they give, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional talking about it, but she's asking all these questions because she's four. Mm -hmm. And this is how she engages with stories. And so this Good Friday, I finally, I had to tell her like, okay, today is horrible. Easter is coming. Easter is so good. But I was reminded of that, even preparing to talk about this on the podcast of all of those pieces that I feel like, you know, as believers, this is our favorite story because it's our faith. But I think sometimes like we lose the, the humanness of that, that he was being mocked and her saying, did it make him sad? Mm-hmm. Were his friends there? Why would they do that to him? Why would they make fun of him? He was Jesus. Do they not know? And so, sorry, I'm getting really mm-hmm. weepy at the beginning of the podcast, but it, it really moved me. And I realized, you know, how removed I sometimes am from the reality that like, I bet it did make him, him sad and he was willing to go through this for us, yeah. but just forgetting the realness, right? The realness of those very basic questions. It's all right there. She's not inventing things, but we forget. We forget yeah, the visceralness of these yeah. stories, the, the actual humanity present on every page of the study book. And so I just, yeah, I just would remind of that in this season and, and reading yeah. these stories. It's good. I'm glad you read that. I really am because I feel like it's so good and special to read, you know, something like the centrality of Christ passage and to look at what it was like for him to enter the temple and begin his ministry, but to have the Jesus day and not read a little bit from the crucifixion. Thank you for doing that. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I think that as we read a lot of these stories, they're from different parts of Jesus' life. You know, we'll get yeah. glimpses of his aunt and his uncle. We'll get glimpses of his cousin. We'll get his mother. We'll get people who knew him when he was a baby, when he was a man beginning his ministry, people who were touched by his his life and his resurrection after he's ascended to heaven. So we get people from all over the story of Jesus. And I think it's important, especially in these early weeks, to remember, you know, where it's going mm-hmm. and to remember where his ministry leads him, mm-hmm. you know, what it is that he's done for us. It is about the things he taught on earth. It is about what he shows us about God. 
And it's about his death and resurrection. It's about all of those things. And that's present through every one of these stories we're going to read. So it does feel important. It feels important to remember. Yeah, yeah. And that is why I love that we began with Jesus, because it's not that day one is Jesus' story. All the days are Jesus' story. This story, this book, this reading plan, this podcast series is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even the going back to that Luke 4 passage and the scroll that they handed him, which I love that question, and now I'm going to be thinking that when I read this passage every time, it's like, could he have said the same thing about any scroll they handed him? But the one they did hand him, so here in Luke four seventeen, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what we get to watch through the unfolding of this reading plan, which is really the unfolding of scriptures from the New Testament, we get to watch that fulfilled. And every other prophecy about Jesus is we get to watch it in action and watch him be the Messiah. And it's present in every one of these stories. Yeah. And speaking of every one of these stories, we also this week and this episode get to talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth. We get to talk about Mary of Nazareth, his mama. Um, We get to talk about Anna and Simeon, and we're going to talk about John the Baptist. So we're covering seven people in five days. Hey friends, Hannah here. Have you ever considered trying out our She Reads Truth subscription box? We're giving our podcast listeners a special discount for 15% off your first box. All you have to do is head on over to shopshereadstruth.com slash box and enter the code box15 at checkout. Sign up once and then have a plan to read the word of God every day. Let's talk for a minute about Zechariah and Elizabeth. So this is actually the story I was thinking about, Jessica, when you were talking about imagining um, the more human elements of the stories, because I get emotional when I read about Zechariah and he is silent, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the angel. So Gabriel tells him what's going to happen, right? That Elizabeth is going to bear a son, that they will name him John. And let's see, this is from Luke 1 starting in the middle of verse 15, he, meaning the baby John, will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb, which Hmm. question mark, exclamation point. Things we wonder about. Yes. I'm so, I know we don't have time. I'm just going to keep going. But that's a thing where I've like, that's what I've written down in my, what questions do you have? Oh, I have so many questions about (laughs) that. Let's see. Sorry. He will turn Many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of their fathers, to their children to make ready. I'm skipping the end to make ready for the Lord, a prepared people. So this is what the angel has come and said. And Zechariah is like, but how, how can I know this? Well, then he's like, I'll show you how I'm going to make you silent until (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take away your voice until the baby is born. Because I said it. Yes. And so to me, it's so emotional that when the time comes and the baby is born and his mom says his name is John and they're like, wait, but that's not a family name. Like that can't be right. That's not a family name. And Zechariah it says in verse 62, same chapter. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. It's funny to me that they motioned because 
he hadn't he could lost hear. his hearing. I felt the same thing. Just like, curious. Like, hey, you. I know. In verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And then that's when he's given the gift of his voice back and he immediately praises the Lord. But the emotion of that moment where he writes that down on the tablet, I just wonder like what has happened in Zechariah's heart during this period of silence? Yeah. Like how much has the Lord ministered to him and how much has he grown in faith? I want to know more. Like he was silent from that interaction with Gabriel until he named the baby. So, yeah, from before the time that Elizabeth was pregnant until after the time that she gave birth. Yeah. And they were naming the child. He was I love silent, thinking about speak. that, Amanda. That you're asking, like, what went on in his heart and life, in his relationship with the Lord during that time of silence. And, you know. As he sat by and watched it happen. Like, he didn't get to talk once she got pregnant. Like, he did. Like, it wasn't like, well, now you know. But it was like at the full completion of, like, obedience of naming the child. That's cool. And we connect with the supplemental reading, Hannah's story, which I know we don't have time to talk about, but that means a lot to me to put those side by side. And I just encourage you guys to read, just read, read days one and two for sure. (laughs) (laughs) All the days, read all all the days. days. Well, one of the other things I love about this plan is how many times other characters show up from the Old Testament or from the New Testament. It makes me want to be in the word more, which is, you know, our goal. And what my goal is for myself too, is that, you know, even this week, I noticed that Elijah is mentioned all over the place, Yes, all over the place in our readings from week one. It makes me want to open my old Testament and look and read that story and see who is this person they keep referencing? Who are these other people whose stories feel like they connect to these people's stories? Yeah. Because they do. They do. Yeah. So something that I have a question about, we're talking about wondering things. I actually, in reading the Elizabeth story and reading the Mary story, which is the next day in this week's reading, I remember at Christmas time, we were, you know, obviously this is a story that we read at Christmas time. We read about John the Baptist, we read about Jesus. And I remember this Christmas wondering whether Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, sisters, like I didn't know, because the only thing that scripture actually tells us is in Luke 1, Gabriel's talking to Mary, and he said, and remember your relative Elizabeth, just to remind Mary of the miracle of John the Baptist's birth. So anyway, I think that the commonly held tradition is that Jesus and John are cousins, or that Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, but I guess we actually don't know. Right, and the word there is just relative or kinswoman. Yeah. But, you know, I think— It doesn't hinge—it doesn't, like, change my salvation. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But, you know, I think— good. Yeah. (laughs) Even in our families now, you know, you have cousins maybe or a second cousin. Right. Or there's—they're closely related— but there's different degrees of that, even in how we talk about it in English. Yeah. I've always thought that it was cousins. My faith is not shaken by not knowing. <laughs> I love that they're related. Yeah. You know, they're cousins. Yeah. And it makes that It feels very on purpose. Yeah. And it makes the story, um, so we move on to Mary's story in day three this week. And it makes that story even sweeter, I think, when she you know, goes to Elizabeth and stays with her and they have that moment where Mary speaks, John the Baptist leaps and Elizabeth's womb. It's incredible because as we've already discussed, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was praise dancing in the womb. Like if you want to get real, if you want to talk Trinity. (laughs) I do. Like Jesus is in Mary's womb. God is in Mary's womb and God is in like... (gasps) Is in John the Baptist, who is in Elizabeth's womb. Like, that's pretty cool. Just Amanda's cool. head's exploding. Mind-blowing emoji 
insert. It's that God is, is both present everywhere always, but also there are times in scripture where he is present in these very specific ways. And so that both are true and that it's one of those wonderful things about God is that it's not, oh, well, Jesus is here on earth and oh boy, like, right. Who's everywhere else? No, both things can be true. And it's really cool. Which sidebar, Jessica has been working very hard on a reading plan for this fall about the presence of God. So this spring we talked promises of God, but this is a totally different study, presence of God. And I mean, this is the kind of thing we're going to look at Mm -hmm. in scripture, that God is always present and also sometimes specifically present. Mm-hmm. Both so, things are you true. Know, like, look forward to that in the fall. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm oh, excited. We'll get, we'll yeah. get to that but soon, too. But back to Mary. Well, and one of the things I also love about this passage with Mary and Elizabeth, when I was pregnant with my, my daughter and when I was pregnant with my son, both times one or both of my sister-in-laws was pregnant. And it's so fun during those seasons yes. because you are imagining all of the future that your mm-hmm. children will have together, right? So, you know oh, we'll have these these cousins who are close in age. And oh, thinking about Christmas, thinking about holidays or vacations. And oh, they'll be in kindergarten at the same time. Or oh, you know, she'll be in first grade when he's in, he's in kindergarten. And just the way that you get to talk and imagine the future they have together. And so even that sweet human moment that yeah. these two women are pregnant together and that both of their children had this, you know, miraculous piece to it, right? With the same angel, you know, speaking to both of them had their um, own or their husband. future together, yes. even like apart from their mothers in a way. Yes, yeah. it's so beautiful. And I just, yeah. I love that they get to have that moment where they get to, when both babies are still in womb, talk about it. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. What a thing to have in common with someone. Who could you have that in common with? Right. <laughs> An yeah. angel came to me and told me, I mean, Sarah, <laughs> but that was in the Old Testament, yeah. but the only other person that we even know of. Right. I mean, in think about like when have that in common with Zachary and Elizabeth got together for dinner with Mary and Joseph, because how many people have been recorded to have had a conversation with Gabriel? I think just three. I think it's Daniel and the Old Testament. I think it's Zachariah and I think it's Mary. Okay. That's really cool. Imagine Amanda, if you had interacted with Gabriel and so had I, like that's a conversation to have. That's I, mean, a, like, I would really need to talk about it. What was it <laughs> like someone? for you Yeah, I, to get to unpack it with a buddy? One of the other things that's so great about this passage is I think we talked about this or y'all talked about this some with Advent is that, you know, think about this at this point in history for the Jewish people is that we have from the fall in the garden, a promise that one day a baby will be born who does all of these things. And, you know, every generation or every few generations in the Old Testament, there's another layered promise. There's someone coming. There's someone coming. And so this keeps getting like doubled down. Yes. And so this idea that as, as a woman at this point in history, as a Jewish woman at this point in history, you have to wonder, did every time someone was pregnant, they wonder, Will it be my like? Will yeah. my oh, wow. will my will my child be the one who undoes this curse? Wow. Like, am I, and I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the history, right? Is there's a promise? There's a promise that's yet to be fulfilled, and so and the promise wasn't, and Gabriel will appear to you, right? So yeah, like there was no like outline of what it will look like until it happened, right? Interesting. Well, the promise is the one that Simeon refers to. So yes. if we move on to but the wait, next day, we we can move on in just a second because there's something else <laughs> I want to say about Mary, and it's not even in that day's reading, but it bears mentioning. To me, one of my favorite parts of Mary's story is a little bit past where our reading ends in Luke 2, that sort of like verses 16 through 20, where it talks about like everyone was marveling, like the shepherds were there and they were rushing around telling what they saw. And then there's that line in verse 19 that says, 
But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart, meditating on them. And I want to go down a rabbit trail for two seconds and think about that this gospel was written, that Luke wrote this down, and that probably who told him what happened was Mary, was the one who was treasuring these things up. And I love that. Again, this is another scenario like, hey, have you ever met Gabriel? It's another scenario where as Luke records the story, he includes the details, and then he sort of honors Mary by saying, and she treasured these things up. And then the last line, meditating on them. And I always Mm -hmm. skip over that because the treasuring is the thing that I connect to as the mama. And then it ends with, she was meditating on these things. And I just love that Luke included that detail about Mary. And again, you know, it's possible that that's where he got the details of the birth story because Luke wasn't there. But anyway, I just love that about Mary. It's so beautiful. I wrote treasured in her heart and my margins too. You it's just did. beautiful. That yeah. she's... I know some translations say pondered. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's it's interesting how it's translated. I don't remember the meditated yeah. that word being a bit yeah. It's beautiful that she's there and she's paying attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, how could you not? The stories are I mean, and like we talk about the presence of God and like what it means to meditate on the presence of God, but like she's holding God. Well, and you get the sense that she, well, because she's been told, but she is meditating on these things on a few levels as a mama, but also like holding the son of God. Like as the mother, but also as the child of God. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that same kind of layered relationship that they have, you can see it in mm-hmm. other places, like mm-hmm. at the wedding in Cana and also when he's on the cross, like where there are these moments where their relationship, I mean, I'm sure the relationship is always layered, but, right. but where you can see it more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Which truly does take us straight to Anna and Simeon and, yeah. and like, yeah. even like Simeon's blessing. I don't know if just all of the Bible makes me emotional <laughs> or if it just happens to be some of these stories, but this is another story that really gets me. But if you were talking about the fulfillment of promise, Jessica, that this child that they were waiting for, and they were always like, is he the one? Is this the one? When is he coming? And I love this, that when Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple for a circumcision and to name him, they named him Jesus, the name that given by the angel before he was conceived, it says in Luke 2, 21, But a little bit further down, and starting in verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. I love this so much. The little conversation card for the kids read truth Mm -hmm. has i think it's got simeon like hoisted jesus up over his head just he's taking the baby in his arms and he's worshiping kind of the baby in his arms and also like the father above in this like moment of now i can die like i've seen what you promised i would see it's so beautiful and it's so beautiful that 
for every person in the story, you see this layer, there's this personal promise that's been fulfilled, but also it's corporate, right? Mm -hmm. So for Simeon, he had this promise from God that he would see this child. But part of that is that he saw this person that would mean so much for the world. And even in the story of Zechariah, you have that too, where he goes in to the temple, you know, and he's preparing the incense offering. And the angel says, you know, God's heard your prayer. And we don't know, was that a prayer for Elizabeth and Zachariah specifically to have a child? Or was it the prayer that he was offering on behalf of the people, on behalf of, the people yeah. of Israel? But God answered both prayers. You know, we don't know what he was asking in that moment, but yeah. both things were answered. And here too, that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where it's this personal thing that meant so much to him, but in part it was because he was seeing for so many people. And I love the that. Fulfillment well, even like that line that says he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. Mm-hmm. And I like, love that word. Yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. Yep. And it's just beautiful, even as we think about this and being women and men in the word, reading about women and men in the word, it's that, right? Is that we have this faith, we have this thing that we celebrate because it's so important to us as individuals that Jesus has done a thing that changed Amanda's life and Rachel's life and my life. And that's beautiful. And it's essential, right? That we are following him. Right. But it's also beautiful that for all of us in this room, he changed right. our lives. Mm-hmm. And that for every person in the story, they are part of this like broader family that we're brought into. And so I just love that even in this passage, you see people praising God, you know, on both of these levels. Yeah. Yeah. And then just a little further down in verse 34, it says, then Simeon blesses them and told his mother, Mary, it's this little blessing from Simeon. So the first part like that we hear from Simeon is this like celebration, this worship, and then he blesses them. And near the end of the blessing, he says to Mary, And a sword will pierce your soul, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And we were talking just a minute ago about the layered relationship between Jesus and Mary. And that thing that Simeon says to her is that this will really not come without a cost to you as well. This is going to hurt. Yeah. That you get the honor of being his mama, but you're going to watch him die for you. Yeah. It is layered. It is. And then we get to Anna. I just love Anna. I Every time we talk about Anna, I just want to read the whole thing. Go. It's short enough. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, that's the benefit of having your story recorded in Scripture in just a few sentences. People read it. So still in Luke 2, but down to verse 36, it says, There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. It's so good. You know, I didn't notice until this time that I read it that she wasn't there for the Simeon part. She came up at this very moment. She came up. Is that possible? I think that she's in the temple while this is happening. So Simeon... Well, she's never left the temple. Right. So yeah. She, I think she could have overseen it. Sure, sure. Okay. And then she came up. Maybe. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. And this was like a time in Israel where there were not a lot of prophets, period. And so like that there was this prophetess, Anna. Mm. It's sweet. It's interesting because you'll sometimes hear people say that between the closing of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, there was this silence. Right. And what we typically really mean by that is we don't have any words of scripture that are recorded. Right. But we see right here, there was someone who was known as a prophetess, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and I don't think that reputation was built in like the eight days, you know, that Jesus Mm -hmm. Jesus was born. So there's, God is still speaking to people. There are still things happening. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
which brings us straight into John the Baptist, yeah, who is, I mean, you could argue or some people say like the greatest Old Testament prophet or the last Old Testament prophet. He's the last one who is looking forward to Jesus. There are prophets that come after Jesus, but he's the last one that looks forward or ahead to Jesus. And in Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. And then he adds, but least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I love that verse because I think it is such a snapshot of the nature of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Because here you have this camel hair wearing wilderness dwelling man Mm -hmm. who you would just think, well, he has lost his mind. I mean, truly, if it's possible that you would think that. If you saw <laughs> and, and I love the illustration on the kids' cards, just saying. It's so good. But this man called by God and the forerunner of Christ, that he is the greatest of men. Like Jesus says it right here. He's like, there's there's no one greater than him. No one born, born, of, a born of a woman yeah. who is greater than him. But... The least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. So here you have John the Baptist, and I am picturing him exactly as he is on our kids' cards. (laughs) Um, But that God is making a people for himself. And these people are image bearers. John the Baptist was an image bearer. Mm -hmm. They are image bearers who are being redeemed by grace and clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Like. That when God is creating a people for himself, he is defining the terms. Yeah. He is assigning value and worth. Yeah. And he is the one who is writing the story. And I feel like John is such an unlikely character. You know, this is Elizabeth's baby boy we're talking about. Right. And can you imagine, like, you, I wonder if Elizabeth was still around when he's a man and is, is he, is she? Do we know? They say that she was you know, in her old age. So who knows, who knows? If she, how long she lived, but just the, God just, knows. yeah, mm-hmm. just his <laughs> unconventional ways, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, the way that he proclaimed that the Messiah was coming. So different from his father. Like if you think about Zechariah, yeah. he's in the temple and he's wearing the, what do you call the thing that you wear in the temple? The ephod? Yeah. Is that the old? Yeah. But yeah. Cause he was a priest. Does he have an ephod? I don't know, but the Old Testament priest is. We're going to say it, and we might be wrong, and we hold that loosely. But These are questions we love to ask. Yeah. We're all smiling. We're like, <laughs> did he have an ephod? We're like, did we pause and Google this or look it up or research it? We're just going to go. But you imagine Zechariah in the priestly garments, whatever it was he was wearing. I'm picturing an ephod, obviously. But then, like, that's Papa. And then the son, his child, his one kid is in the wilderness eating like locusts and wild honey and wearing like animal skins. It is a very different way to serve the Lord. And if you look at those two men (laughs) and think about the very different ways in which they gave their lives in obedience to Mm. serving God, like I find so much freedom in that. That we can serve God in whatever calling we have, whether it is in the temple wearing an ephod or if it's in the wilderness eating locusts. Go for it. Yeah. I if love that's that. What the, if that's what the Lord calls you to. I love that. And that both were such a powerful part of the story. It wasn't a like father, like son. Like it wasn't right. like a, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, except that it is because they both gave their lives in service to the Lord. That's beautiful. Well, the, the real beauty of it is in the connections, right? Mm-hmm. Is the grander story that the Lord is writing. And I think it's really hard for us as, you know, 21st century Americans, you know, to not think of our story as 
just our story. Yes. It's, it's yeah. a, it's a challenge, um, even in the church to not individualize our faith and mm-hmm. make it, make it about us or even about just our family unit or, you know, whatever our circle, Yeah, but it is so much broader and it looks. Different. And when you look at this consolation of Israel and like what the cast of characters looked like in the consolation of Israel and what we read in day one from Colossians about reconciling all things to himself, like this act of making all things new. It took a John the Baptist. It took a Mary. It took an Elizabeth and an Anna and a Simeon and all the other people that we're going to read about in this podcast series and more, because like we said, we didn't include everybody. We couldn't have. But that's what the consolation of Israel looks like. And But it all finds its home. It all finds its place in Jesus. Isn't it beautiful that we get to be part of the story? Yeah. It's so... It just never fails to amaze me that this is the story and that God chooses to use people and let them be part of the thing he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. That it's not just he plops down, it's all new, he's out. No, like each of these people was invited, was invited in, was invited to know him, Mm -hmm. was used by him, got to witness what he was doing. And I think that it's it's those things that I hope that our she's and our he's and that we keep noticing in the scripture, right? That it's powerful and it's beautiful and it's interesting, Mm -hmm. but it's also really moving that he lets us be part and he lets us witness him at work. Um, It's true for these people and it's true for us. It looks different, but that's, that didn't stop being true, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's true now. Okay. Girls, we made it through week one and boy, man, I'm so excited for, we have five more weeks of this, five more weeks of men and women in the new Testament. But before we close, you know what we love to do. Um, We love to first look at scripture and find the beauty, goodness, and truth there. And we found it today. And that was awesome. Where are you girls seeing beauty, goodness, and truth in your life? Amanda, what do you have? We had to cut down some trees in my house, which is just the precursor to my beauty, goodness, and truth. Okay. I was sad to lose the trees. However, my husband insisted they needed to go and I trust him. But we have a new view because some of the trees are gone. And so where I'm seeing beauty is actually... There is a specific tree at the back of our yard and then one at the back of our neighbor's yard. And I couldn't see either of them from our house before. But now, because those ones have been removed, we just have a different view. And it's really beautiful. And it's partly beautiful because it just is objectively beautiful. And it's partly beautiful because it's new. Yeah. And it's just sort of a perspective shift, yeah. you know. And so I just have found myself and I've caught David just kind of staring (laughs) out into, you know, the distance now, because it's that it's, I was sad to lose the trees, but just being able to see something different from my window. and makes me want to come and socially distance, sit on your back porch. You are welcome to. I love it there. It's my favorite place to (laughs) socially distance. It's a really good place. What about you, Jessica? Mine's pretty short and sweet. I took a couple of days off and had a nice long weekend. Yeah. And every day, the prediction when we looked forward to the weekend was that it would rain all day, every day. And it, in fact, did not. Sunshine. There was sunshine. It did rain every day, but there were long stretches of getting to play outside, hammocking, playing in the grass and all the things. And I just... I'm really grateful. That's I'm really so grateful good. for sunshine Ham- when rain was what we were expecting. And hammocking is... 
it is its own beauty, goodness, and truth. I mean, it is so good. So good. I actually have some, I'll link some hammocks in the show notes that we just recently got. I was locally made. Love them. Hey. I was given a hammock for Mother's Day and we got a family size hammock so I can hold both the kids in the hammock while I read my books. And it was great. But can you read your books while both of the kids are in the hammock with you? I have a Kindle. Okay. It's going great. It's going great. I can read one handed. It's glorious. Okay. All right. Good. Rachel, what do you have? The weather is still like moderate enough that we keep our doors open most of the time. So as I was in my bathroom getting ready this morning to come here, I could hear it was raining hard and our neighbor kids up the street were down and they're not like we're still really trying to social distance. But we said, okay, you can play outside. You can just kind of like sit on opposite sofas and like hang out. And the sounds that I heard from my bathroom while I was just getting ready was I think that I had forgotten what it sounded like for four children to make the giggly sounds of childhood. And it was just like I wanted to record it. It was like the most beautiful soundtrack of just joy and rain and silliness. And it was absolutely beautiful to me. It was like music. I loved it. Oh, I like that. Do, I please too. do record it next time. I know. I should And like, just like voice record it. Instead, I just texted their mom, our neighbor's mom, and was just like, your kids are precious. And like, thank <laughs> oh. you for letting them come and spend some time. We love them. Anyway. We are to the point where we're missing other people's children. It's true. And uh, just in other people. It took a little period. time for me. To <laughs> <children>. <laughs> okay. So next week. We are going to start week two of our series. We actually have Sadie Robertson Huff coming to be with us next Monday. And we're going to talk Nicodemus, Peter, Jairus and his daughter, uh, Women at the Well, and then also the Boy with the Fishes and Loaves. So it's a good good week. week. I'm excited to talk with Sadie about that and hear what she has to say. And then in two weeks, we actually have Joe Saxton coming and we'll talk John and Bartimaeus and the rich young ruler. And it's also going to be fantastic. I love Joe. Yeah. We have have good good weeks ahead of us. And then also it's important that you remember that every Thursday during this series, so these episodes are released on Mondays, but every Thursday we're releasing a shorter bonus episode, just kind of giving you these little quick behind the scenes looks at the work we're doing here at She Reads Truth. This week we're going to talk all about our approach to studying scripture and it's just going to be good. We hope these conversations We'll really just encourage you guys to be women in the Word of God every day. But also we think it'd be really fun to just get to peek behind the curtain and hear some discussions, not about the work that we've done to present to you, but how we do it and why we do it. I'm just looking forward to all of those things. But until next week, or really until Thursday, Jessica, what do we tell them? Keep opening your Bibles. That's right. Bye, guys. Bye.